news item. Car manufacturers are discussing uh, dropping AM band radios from their new cars as soon as possible. The thing that's driving it is electric vehicles, which create a lot of electric, uh, electromagnetic uh, interference with the AM band, and so the manufacturer's solution is, let's just get rid of AM radio. Nobody listens to it anymore anyway. So far, the government is resisting this. Uh, they're saying, well, yeah, actually, people do still listen to AM radio, especially in their cars, especially in rural areas where the FM signal doesn't carry. And we especially need it because AM radio is the one last remaining way you can essentially reach everybody on the emergency broadcast system. So for the moment, it's a bit of an impasse. And the way the car manufacturers are dealing with it is to install filters uh, around the uh, AM radios to, to, in a sense, filter out the electromagnetic interference from the engine. Filters, let's talk a little bit more about filters. They frequently can be a really good thing, right? I mean, I've got all sorts of filters here. It's nice to have filters in your furnace or in your car engine. It's really nice to have a filter for your coffee. If I just dump the grounds right in here without the filter, then I'd take a big swig of coffee and have it be filled with grounds. You know what an unsatisfying sensation that is? That is right up there with taking a nice big slug of like a Cabernet wine and getting a mouthful of sediment. Both of those things are really unsatisfying. They are resolved by having a filter in there. Here's one of the coolest examples of filters in the modern world. Uh, this is how we used to filter water 20 years ago in camping. You'd put this in the water that you thought um, needed to be uh, filtered a little bit, and then you'd pump it. And you'd be pumping and pumping and pumping, and you'd get you know really tired pumping all that water. Um, the modern thing, well, there are a lot of modern options for dealing with that, but this is, this is just beautiful. You put your unfiltered water in one four-liter bag, you run it through this filter, and it ends up in the clean four liter bag. You can, uh, if there's not a lot of sediment in the water, uh, you're just trying to make sure you get any bacteria out of it, uh, or giardia, you can filter four liters of water in like under three minutes. It's amazing. So filters, they are an awesome thing. Uh, they're even, of course, ear filters, great for loud, noisy equipment. Also, if your partner happens to snore really loud at night. I know I certainly don't, nor does my wife, Barbara. I think that may not be true for me. Filters are a good thing in a lot of cases. Not always though, right? Uh, uh, or the absence of them can, can be problematic. We live in kind of an unfiltered uh, information world at the moment. Uh, there's like no filters on social media and so it ranges from crazy, conspiratorial, violent, vicious stuff uh, to like the perfect family on the perfect vacation every time, time after time, it's like, Please stop hitting us with so much perfection. And so social media is, is massively unfiltered. Uh, you know, the conventional, you know, professional media uh, trying to fill their 27, 24-7 uh, news cycle uh, puts out a lot more stuff than I think they would have, not always well fact-checked. And of course, uh, the reason we kind of tolerate all of this is that we live in a free society. We value the free flow of information. And, and so we don't want the government to filter it, but then frequently what ends up filtering it are other entities that are probably less accountable. Not sure they do such a good job either. And so we've kind of gotten ourselves into this quandary of, of uh, too many filters is too much, no filters is, is pretty unsatisfactory as well. 
And of course, all of this, as always, is anticipated by Scripture, uh, which knows all about filters and has a lot to say to us about uh, how to use them and when and when to avoid them. And that's what today's gospel lesson is about. And we're going to learn a little something about Mark's gospel in the process as well. So let's dive into, into, the, into Scripture itself. So what I thought we'd do is we'd take a look at three passages in Mark's gospel that have to do with filters on the text, and then we'd apply them to our regular lives. So let's see how that goes. So let's review quickly just a couple of things about Mark's gospel that were in this year. Uh, Mark's gospel is the shortest of the gospels and also the first one written. Matthew and Luke, we know, use uh, Mark as kind of an outline for their gospels. And so Matthew and Luke both add things to their Gospels that aren't found in Mark. The Christmas story would be a good example of that. The genealogies would be a good example. Tons of the parables of Jesus best known to those Gospels aren't found in Mark. But they follow the basic outline of Mark. And then they add things. They also delete things from Mark's Gospel. Mark has a tendency when he does tell a story to tell it with a lot of additional possibly extraneous details, and so Matthew and Luke uh, shorten the stories because they've got a lot of stuff to add to their Gospels. They don't want to get too long, and they take out stuff sometimes that seemingly is extraneous in Mark's Gospel, but maybe they didn't always evaluate that uh, fully, or they weren't thinking of how Mark's details might very well apply 2,000 years later, which I think is the case. So now we're going to take a look at uh, three stories in Mark's Gospel and, and how they kind of get filtered and how they're still super meaningful to us today. So the first one we'd look at would be today's Gospel lesson if Easter was later in the year. In other words, if the Epiphany season ran longer, we'd be up to the sixth weekend of Epiphany, and today's Gospel reading would include Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. Now, if you go back and read that, you'll find that it's a story about a leper who comes to Jesus asking to be healed, and at some point he says to Jesus, if you wish to heal me, if you choose to heal me. And Jesus fires back at him, I do choose to heal you. That's how it reads in Matthew and Luke. In Mark, what's interesting is that you have that conversation. The man says, if you choose to heal me. But then Mark includes the intermediate phrase, and Jesus was, was moved to and, and, and you have a choice of two Greek words in, in the various manuscripts. Jesus was moved to pity or Jesus was moved to anger. One of the rules about when you have roughly the same number of manuscripts that read one way and, and the same number a different way is you choose the one that w would have been less likely. And even early in church history, people were trying to make Jesus seem super holy. And, and so the, the more likely original reading is the, is the one that would have tended to be filtered out, which would have been Jesus was moved to anger. So assuming that that's actually the original reading, uh, here's the flow. The man says, if you choose to heal me, you can, Jesus. And Jesus is moved to anger, and he says, I do choose to heal you. So who's Jesus angry at? Is he angry at the man? Probably not. Jesus, the only people Jesus ever seems to get angry with are, are the religious leaders um, because of their intransigence and their rules and their intolerance. Uh, he probably wouldn't have gotten angry at this man. So what's he angry about? 
Well, think again, the religious system of the time, which required both expense and time for a leper to show himself to have been cleansed. So what the, what the leper actually seems to be saying to Jesus is, if you choose to like break all those rules and circumvent all of the normal religious conventions, you could just ch choose to heal me right now, Jesus. And, and, and that angers Jesus, not that the man says it, but that already in chapter one of Mark's gospel, he's sick of this religious system that makes people jump through hoops and costs them time and money when it needed. And Jesus is angered and he says, I do choose to heal you right here and now, regardless of what the religious system may say. Unless you think that's in any way out of context with Jesus in the Gospels, that's what happens in, in, in Luke 13 where Jesus heals a woman who's been, been uh, troubled by osteoporosis for 18 years and the Pharisees want her to wait one more day. Don't heal her on the Sabbath, Jesus. Or think of Jesus overturning the tables of the money changers in the temple. Actually, it turns out that time and again, Jesus encounters the religious structure which forces people to wait or to make extra effort or to spend extra money for something that should have been grace, should have been free, should have been theirs right then and there. And those are the things that, that, that frustrate Jesus and, and in each case he fires back with good news for those people in that moment. So Matthew and Luke filter out the, uh, he was moved by anger. Uh, probably just to, to save a little space, but Mark includes that unfiltered both question, uh, the, the unfiltered response of Jesus and, and the, the, the powerful good news it is for the leper. Let's keep moving. Uh, if you jump up to, to, to chapter 9, which is where today's gospel lesson is, uh, the, the very... Uh, not the very next story, but the next major story is in Mark 9, verses 14 to 29. So a, a 15, no, a 16 verse section. And, and it's all about a man who intercedes with Jesus for Jesus to heal his son who has an unclean spirit. But if you, if you read those verses, it, it's, it, to us as modern readers, it's like, well, the, the boy is having seizures. He probably has epilepsy. And, and, and so the, the man begs Jesus to heal him. And at one point, Jesus says to him, again, only in Mark's gospel, Matthew and Luke really shorten the story down to like six or seven verses. Um, but but in, in Mark's version of it, uh, Jesus says to the man, if you believe, it, it, it can happen, essentially. And, and the man blurts back to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. In other words, I'm doing the best I can, Jesus, but I, I don't know uh, what to believe anymore or how much to believe or, or, or how to control any of this. Please, please, please just help me. And, and Jesus heals his son. So keep that in mind, um, this, this unfiltered moment by, by this dad. Lord, I, I believe you got to help my unbelief. And then, then there's finally today's gospel lesson, the story of the transfiguration that we get every year. And what's kind of a wonder about it is, is that um, in, in the moment where Peter recognizes that, wow, Jesus is, 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 is metamorphized, he's, he's white and he's with uh, the two greatest figures of the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah, who by tradition are the only two to have been taken by God directly into heaven. In that moment, Peter's terrified, and, and he just kind of babbles out and says, well, we should build like three prayer tents, one for, one for each of you. And, and Jesus doesn't even say anything to that. All, all you get is the voice from heaven that we got at Jesus' baptism. This is my beloved son. You should like maybe listen to him. Um, but, but the 
the beauty of the transfiguration, I think, is, is, the, is the metamorphosis is, is Jesus' appearance, but the greater metamorphosis is the gradual dawning that still is not for complete for the disciples of who Jesus is and the, the urgency of believing him, following him, uh, living into his teachings and sharing his good news with others. That, nobody could have absorbed that at one time. And so uh, it's a gradual awareness sort of thing. But in the meanwhile, we have Peter kind of in his usual place of, of engaging his tongue uh, before he's totally taught it through, in this case, because he's terrified. Now, take all of those stories together and think again about filters. So there are some filters that are important to have the filters that keep us from, from choosing fear, uh, as, as Peter did in that story. Uh, because fear draws us in on ourselves, isolates us from other, keeps us from a community that can support us and help us and protect us. Um, so so the, 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 the filters we need to, to, to not step into fear, to not step into like total selfishness, uh, uh, total uh, suspicion of anyone who's different than us and, and who we are then tempted to discriminate against, you know, politically or legally in the, in the big picture, but just in our own lives, you know, you hear something about somebody and, and you just are immediately tempted to hold it against them, whatever it may be. Uh, those, are, those are filters that, that uh, we need to quit applying in life, the filters of prejudice and fear and, and self-interest. But there are other filters that are really good to have on, uh, or, to, or to not have at all. Uh, the beauty of the story of, of the father is that he is kind of unfiltered, and, and, and he, just, he just says, Jesus, I can't believe perfectly. Can you help me? And that's such a, that's such a modern thing. There are so many people who, either as an excuse or legitimately so, feel like they don't believe well enough, they don't know enough, they don't pray often enough, they don't serve often enough, they don't show up in church often enough. And, and so then they, they kind of feel as if their whole journey of faith is inadequate or uh, they just kind of give up on it. And, and we should be with the man just saying, you know, I, I kind of believe Jesus, but I, I, don't, I, I don't believe enough. <laughs> can, can you help me anyway? And Jesus, of course, does. Jesus, of course, does. And so filtering, filtering the fact that we're not perfect, uh, that's a filter we don't need. And, and, and then there are all the filters we should apply in, in the journey of our faith, uh, the filters that allow us to love better, that allow us to get beyond ourselves, that allow us uh, to, instead of being suspicious of the new person or the new moment, uh, invite it and welcome it. Those, those are good things. There, there was an interesting article a couple weeks ago in the New York Times that was actually on the opinion page, and it was by one of their regular opinion writers, and it was written shortly after his wife received a, a major uh, cancer diagnosis. And what was interesting to me about the article was that, unlike what you see a lot of times in mainstream media, uh, part of what he included in his, his, his uh, discussion of what had happened to them since was that their church small group brought them meals and he quoted uh, lines from Paul's letter to the Romans. In other words, there was kind of a spontaneous and easy expression of this person's religious faith that, that you don't always see in mainstream media. It, it was just like it was a part of his life and, and, and part of their response to the horrific news that they had gotten. 
And, and the coolest thing he talked about that was influenced by his faith, but also a Swedish proverb that they had, that they had lived with all of their lives anyway, was that, was that uh, when, when you're part of a community, like a faith community, uh, then, then your joys are doubled and, and your sorrows are cut in half because you have someone who helps you carry the sorrows and someone who adds to the joys. Which when you think about it is a wonderful filtration system, right? By, by carrying each other's sorrows, we filter out at least a little bit of the pain and maybe a little bit of the time it takes to process all that. And then what an awesome filter to apply, the, the added energy and the added blessing that comes with great joy in our lives. Scripture teaches us a lot of things, that there have always been filters and that knowing when to use them and not use them is really life-giving. And using the ones that allow us to be part of a faith community are life-giving. The ones that isolate us and make us afraid, those are the ones worth giving up on. They're all over the place in the Bible all over the place in our lives. Together, we'll figure it out, hey? And you know one other filter that we don't need on this sermon at this point? It would be any filter that would prevent me from saying the word, done. <laughs>